Today, we're talking through how to invest without the hassle of spending time or energy making sure you're investing in the right types of things and that you're getting a great return. So, let's jump in. Hi, my name is James Corsier and welcome to the Money Paradox Podcast. Yes, that's right. We're going through this really important topic of how to invest without the hassle. Now, I'm very passionate about investing and so I enjoy this topic. I enjoy spending a lot of time working on it, how to improve, coming up with new and innovative ideas on how to invest. But I'm also aware that many other people out there are not like me. And quite frankly, they don't want to spend a lot of time thinking about worrying about investing. And so as a result, that puts a lot of people off. They don't want to invest because they find it boring, they don't feel confident they're investing in the right things, and they worry they're just going to get a lot of their time and energy wrapped up in making sure it's going well. So they let it go. So this video is all about making sure you can still find ways to invest without that hassle, right? So if you're watching this video and you're thinking, yeah, I really don't want to be spending a lot of time and energy uh, in this area, but I still want to invest, I still want to get good results, then uh, listen on, watch on. And before we continue, uh, if you have enjoyed this video, or you think you enjoy this video, or you've been enjoying my other videos, like, uh, like this video, please share it, uh, to others that you think would really benefit from it. And if there's any feedback you want to give me, anything you think you'd like me to cover in future videos, uh, bits that you've particularly enjoyed and you want me to carry on uh, talking about in future, let me know in the comment section below. That would be a huge help for me and it makes sure that what I'm talking about is exactly what you guys want to listen to. So. Let's push on. So what I'm going to do is the way I'm going to address this topic is I want to go through five different ways you can invest that are hassle-free. Now, they're not work-free, but as it goes, you know, when we talk about all the different types of investments, these are some of the better ones. These are the ones that uh, don't require as much work to do, but you still get pretty good results. Okay, so let's jump in. So what I'm gonna do is for these five, I'm gonna start with the kind of more simpler ones and then we're gonna move on to some more complicated ones. Uh, so the first one is peer-to-peer, peer-to-peer investing. So what does that mean? It basically means you're investing in something where instead of investing, say, to a bank, you're investing to a group of people or organizations that wanna, say, borrow that money. This has become huge over the last few years and it's gone into various sectors. Two main ones, I'd say, real estate and kind of just normal loans to individuals or businesses. So companies like Ratesetter, Zopa, uh, allow you to loan money to people, other people that want to borrow that money. And if you went to a normal bank, at the moment, you're getting really bad rates because the uh, 
central government rates that they're lending out at the moment are very, very low because of where the global economy is. So as a result, people getting frustrated, they don't want kind of 0.3% interest rate, right? Because that, quite frankly, is basically nothing. In fact, it's worse than nothing. It's negative because it is less than inflation. So effectively, for most people investing in just the normal bank savings accounts, they're actually losing money over time. So peer-to-peer kind of came out of people wanting a fairly safe way to invest where they were still getting okay results. Results, returns that were above inflation, right? A few percentage points above inflation. And so there's a whole market out there and I don't have time to kind of go into them all in detail. But what I will say is effectively you can get between kind of 3, 10, 15% on some of them that are a bit more risky, a bit newer, uh, and you're invest, investing in riskier assets, you know, you can get those kind of returns in those platforms. Now, the two things I will tell you to be mindful of. One is, there's two kind of key risks. One is what I would call investment risk. So if you're putting your money into a certain platform and that platform is allowing you to uh, uh, invest in certain other businesses or people to borrow that money, then there's different ways it can happen. But if you are lending it to a certain pool of people or a particular investment, and for whatever reason, that pool of people that are borrowing money or that particular person you're lending to uh, doesn't pay the money back, then you lose your money, right? So a good way to hedge that risk, to deal with that risk, is to invest in a number of different assets, right? A number of different areas. So on that platform, you can invest in a number of different things. And by doing that, you spread the risk or you invest in a pool of of um, investments that are big. So if one goes, then the others are still doing well and your overall investment is still doing well, okay? So that's the one thing you need to be mindful of. The second main one is what we call platform risk. And this is one that's not as well appreciated as the first. But so say you take a certain platform that you're investing in. You may invest in say 10, 20 different things within that platform that you're investing in. That might be great, so you feel like you're diversified. But if for some reason that platform goes down, becomes insolvent, then there's a risk that you won't get your money back or you'll get a lot less back because as the companies round wound up and they're paying the money out to all the people they owe, if they've got less money than they owe, then you're not gonna get back as much money as you put in, okay? So the best way to deal with that is to invest in different platforms, right? Not just the one, so that if that one platform goes down, it might be a low risk, but you still have money in other platforms. Now this, you might say, oh, that's really unlikely, these companies are huge, but there, were one, there was one that I invested in previously, which luckily I uh, wasn't invested in at the time, a company called Lendy, this is a real estate one. It's offering really great returns, but Uh, It went insolvent not too long ago, about a year and a half ago, it went insolvent. And people lost a lot of money in the process. So be warned, okay? When you get higher risks like this, uh, sorry, higher returns like this, it's always, there's always, you know, things to be factored in. There's there's a reason why you're getting those higher returns. Okay, so that's number one, P 
peer-to-peer. Second one, the stock market. Okay, so effectively buying and holding the stock market. Why have I used this one? Well, because it's pretty simple. You put your money in the stock market and you might put a whole load of money up front, you might put some money in each month as you as you save, but it's pretty simple, it's hassle-free. You just chuck the money in and you wait until you want the money back. So maybe you wanna retire in 10, 20, 40 years time. At the end of that period of time, you take the money out and hopefully you should have more money. So if you take history by anything for the future, then most likely you will have more money if the period of time is long enough. You take the last 10 years for the stock market, and I'm gonna use the S&P 500, the top 500 companies listed in the US because that's probably the best uh, overall measure of the stock market. For the last 10 years, the average return for one year was 13%. The last 40 years, again, 13% average return. And if you take the last 100 years, it was 12%. So that's huge, right? It doesn't matter whether it's over like, you know, 10 years, but even 100 years, you're still getting some really, really strong returns. So it's very simple and you get very strong returns. So that's why it gets talked about a lot, a lot, it's very popular, a lot of people invest in the stock market, but there are some things you need to be mindful of, and that is it's very volatile. So you might get some really strong returns, but there are times when it drops a huge amount. So take 2008, for example, the stock market dropped from its peak to its, uh, to its trough by around 50%. So if you invested in that period of time, then you would have lost half the value of your assets. Huge. 2002, 2003, again, a huge drop of around 50%. Massive. Now, over the longer term, you still get some really strong results. But in periods, it can be devastating. Now, if you're investing in a really long period of time, then it doesn't matter, right? Because you're going to have those bad periods, but you're going to still have those good periods, and overall, it's gonna net out, great. So if you're investing in a short period of time, then stock market's not good. For those longer periods of time, maybe it is a good idea for you. But the other thing to bear in mind is the psychology around it. So a lot of people say, yeah, you know, don't worry, I can weather the storm of 2008, it's all good, um, because I know I'm gonna get strong returns over the long term. Now, it's different different things saying that before you go into it, and actually living that. You know, if all of your life savings is in the stock market and it halves overnight, then that is gonna be painful, painful to watch. Especially if that period takes over a very long period of time, it drops a huge amount, it goes back up, it drops down again. You might have a year, a year and a half, two years of nothing happening, it going down, this constant worry that it will never go back up, it will never improve. And generally speaking, you know, over the history, time and time again, it has, it has improved and it's gone up uh, uh, and, and way more than it had done before. So it generally does, but you never know. It could be that one time that it never does. And those are the kind of things that come up for people during those times. So be mindful if you don't have that ability to, to keep calling cool those times 
and the stress and worry around that is a hassle for you, right? It's taking energy and time out of your day when you wanna be doing other stuff, then maybe that is not a good approach for you. Third one, dividend investing. So it's kind of similar, right, to stock market investments, stock market investing. This is essentially buying uh, shares, buying into various uh, stocks, but with the view to benefit from the dividends that these companies are paying you. So generally speaking, you're looking for companies that pay higher dividends. If you look at the S&P 500, the average return from just dividends is about 2.5%. It's pretty low. But if you are looking for certain companies that generally pay higher dividends reliably, you can get kind of five and even like 10, maybe even higher percent in dividends from these companies. Now, the reason why I'm not a big fan of this approach is that if you think about a company, a company overall is doing well or not, okay? So if a company's paying you really high dividends, you've got to think, well, that's money it's paying you and it's not paying itself to further the growth of the business. So my first question is, why is it paying you a whole load of money? Can it not better spend that money itself and make the, the business better? So is that a warning sign for the business? Okay, well, what about the fact of the value of the business? So it might be paying you a really strong dividend, but if the value of the business is dropping over time, then overall, the value you're getting from that investment may be very poor or in fact negative. So if every year you're getting a 10% dividend, but every year your investment, uh, the value of your investment, the actual shares is dropping by 15%, well net, you're doing worse off, right? So that's why I'm not a big fan. I think it's a really inefficient way of investing. You wanna be investing, in, if you're picking specific companies or an approach, you wanna be looking at the whole thing. What are the, what's the value from everything? around it, not just the one thing, dividends. So not a big fan, but it is popular. That's why I've kind of included it here um, because you can always, because if you just take the dividends out and you use the dividends to to fund your lifestyle and so on, you're making, you're, you're able to spend that money while still keeping the shares that you have. That's the idea of it, of it. that's why it's popular, but just bear in mind that you need to take into account the value of the stocks itself. And also, if you start picking specific stocks, that's when you get into the territory of always having to worry, which stocks are they doing well? Should I change the stocks that I'm investing in? And if you want a hassle-free way of investing, probably not the best approach to go down. You wanna be going down a fund or an index fund so that it's super simple, because that particular index, like the S&P 500, as an example, which is effectively Instead of buying a particular share like Apple shares or Amazon, you're buying the whole market. You're buying, say, the top 500 companies listed in the US. Really simple, right? Because if one of those companies do well, one of those companies do badly, another one does well, it doesn't matter because all it's doing is taking the average of all of them. Much simpler and much more hassle-free. Okay, four portfolio investing. Now, I think this is very powerful, and the reason why this is powerful is that it can reduce the volatility of a specific thing 
that you could invest in. So what is it firstly? It's where you're taking a number of different things and putting them together into a portfolio. So a portfolio is just a fancy way of say a bucket of different things that you have, right? So instead of just going out and buying saying, say the stock market, yeah, you're gonna buy lots of different things. And those things ideally come together to achieve something specific that you want. And usually in the way I'm advocating it here is you're looking to maximize the return while minimizing what I call the volatility. And volatility is just that up and down, that movement, that variance in the price over time. So if you look at the stock market, you're getting really strong returns, 13% on average a year, big, big growth rates, right? But there's years when you get really, really big drops as well, which is stressful. And if it happens at the wrong time, in terms of uh, where, where your life is at, then it could be devastating for you. So if you invest in a portfolio of say the stock market, but other things that for example, go up or tend to go up when the stock market goes down, then overall the risk of what you, what your, of, of your overall money of going down is a lot lower, okay? So as an example, I'll give you one example, uh, is the all, uh, is the all seasons, I always forget whether it's all weather or all seasons, all seasons uh, portfolio investment approach that the, uh, the famous Ray Dalio uh, recommends and preaches about. And I've actually got a specific video on that, you can go check it out, just so you can understand one example of how a portfolio investment approach works, why it works, why it's popular. So go check that video out, it's one of my other uh, recent videos. But there are many other different types of portfolio investments and if you're interested in a subject, you wanna go check out others, search for it online. There's a really good website called portfoliocharts.com that will show you a load of different ones and the performance of them if you wanna get geeky on that kind of stuff. But uh, but essentially, you're investing in a number of different things that overall should still go up well, but the likelihood of it dropping in value or moving up and down a lot is less. So for example, the all, uh, all seasons approach by Ray Dalio, you invest in the stock market, but you're also investing in say, gold or government bonds. And that's because each of those tend to do well in certain situations when the stock market would do badly, okay? So if you're in a particular situation in the economy, for example, where your stock market is doing badly, other parts of your portfolio are doing well. So that all together, your portfolio is still doing well in tough times in particular areas. And it's also important to kind of bear in mind that it's not just the stock market. In other areas like bonds, for example, government bonds, which are like loans to the government, those areas can actually do badly in, in certain times as well. So it protects you against all a number of different situations that can play out in the economy. Okay, so effectively, why is it hassle-free? Well, it's hassle-free because a portfolio is, follows a set of rules or at least the one I'm advocating. So the idea is you set the rules of the portfolio approach uh, 
at the outset. You say, right, I'm going to invest X percentage in stock market. I'm going to invest X percentage in gold and so on. So that I always know how much I need to have in each of these areas. And I'm going to set rules like, well, how often am I going to change it? How often am I going to invest money into it? How often am I going to reset the uh, the what I'm invested in so I stay within those percentages so for example every year I look at how my investments are doing and if the stock market's gone up gold's gone down I'm, I move some of the stock market investments to gold so it comes to the same ratio again as an example so the reason why this is hassle free is that you don't have to constantly think you know should I invest in this or when should I invest in this all I need to think about is what are my rules and how do I follow my rules. Second thing is you can keep these rules very simple. You don't have to be super complicated, loads of different ones. It can be really, really, really simple and just a few rules to follow. The third one is you need to then pick what portfolio approach you're going to take. So I mentioned one, the All Weather All Seasons approach by Ray Dalio. Uh, you can check out my video on that. That's one example. There are a number of different ones. Another kind of very traditional one that you'd see in pensions and so on is a very simple split between the stock market and government bonds. So for example, you would take 40% invested in the stock market, 60% in government bonds, and that's it. And every year you might check, oh, my stock market's gone up loads, government bonds has gone down, oh, I might move some stock market to the bond. And that's it, really, really simple. Okay, so we have to do is pick it. Next piece then is you just need to learn how to actually implement it. So whatever portfolio you are going to do, you need to say, right, well, what platform are you going to, am I going to use to invest in it? What specific things am I going to invest in to replicate this portfolio that I'm going to invest in? And then how do I manage it, right? So is it once a month? once a year what like what do i actually have to do operationally to make sure i'm implementing this portfolio approach okay and just to give you some numbers around this the uh, all seasons approach by ray dalio if you take the last 40 years it got a nine and a half percent return so that's just under 10 percent so a very strong return it's not the kind of likes of 13 percent that you're seeing within the uh, stock market, but it's still very large. So the idea is you're getting the, you know, the majority of the return, but a lot less of the risk. So in that 40 year period, you got just four years where you were getting a negative loss. So just 10% of those years that you invested, you got a negative loss. And the average was like a percent, very, very low, less than a percent. So the you know the risk of losing money in any one year is very low but you still get the majority of the time that's the idea all right so fifth one standard buy to let so effectively investing in property but doing it in a way that is as hassle-free as possible now the thing with property is that there are so many options and this is one of the amazing things about it right whatever your aims are and ambitions are and your um, your what outcome you want from life right from investing then you know there's often a play there within property 
Now the trouble with that is it can feel a bit overwhelming. There's all these different things you can do. What approach do I want to take? Well, if you want a hassle-free investment approach, then you want to just go for a really standard, simple buy-to-let investment approach. And effectively what you're doing is you're building up some wealth, buying a property, uh, and then getting income from it, from uh, rent, and then using that as a return from your investment. Super simple. Now, in reality, it's not as simple as that, but that is inherently the, the kind of aim of it. Now, the way to make it as simple as possible is to take all of the risks around property and look for an approach where you're limiting those risks as much as possible. So, firstly, there's some inherent reasons why property is popular and often a, a great way to invest. Now, it depends on where you're investing, uh, but property often is geographically restricted. So you take the UK, generally geographically restricted, and especially areas like London or New York, really geographically restricted. So what happens is you've only got so many properties and all these people want to live in those properties. So over time, population grows, number of properties aren't growing at the same speed, and so the value of the properties go up over time. Now, it's not always the case, but it's often the case, and, and certainly in the UK in many areas. Second thing is that inflation increases the price of properties generally. Okay, not always, but generally speaking, it's a kind of upward pressure on uh, the value of properties from a nominal point of view, right? Now, in real terms, it's the same amount because the value of money is devalued. But if you take a mortgage out on that property, the fact that you are borrowing against that property means you are multiplying the impact of inflation. So don't worry if you don't quite get it, but effectively, because you're borrowing on that property, you are making money from the fact that the value of the uh, the pro the pro the property price going up, you're getting a multiple of it. So if the property price goes up, say, by 5%, and you've invested, say, 25%, and you've got a loan on the other 75%, then on the money that you have in, 25% is a quarter of the value, goes up by 5% of the full value. So that 5% becomes a 20% return on the money that you have locked in on that property okay now there's a whole load of other reasons but they're two good examples right so if you're going to invest in a hassle-free way you want to do it simply and the way to do that is to buy properties that are simple low risk so you want to buy in areas that are always popular and ideally in the city center so for example London is a popular area because it's you know you're always going to have people wanting to live in London. Right? If you're taking the UK as an example, you're always going to have people wanting to live in big cities like London. Okay, so if you buy a property in the centre of London, then um, then the the demand for people wanting to live in that property is huge. You know, I have properties in London, and the speed at which these properties rent are insane. As an example, I recently um, advertised uh, one of my properties to rent, and within 24 hours, I had 12 people wanting to rent that property. 
the first person who viewed it wanted to move in. That's crazy, I think. And you compare that to other areas, it's nothing like that. Now, London is a bit of an anomaly because it is so popular and so many people there. But the, the more popular, the more geographically restricted the area, the more you're going to see that, right? Now, if you don't have the ability to live in London because it's, because it's too far away from where you live or it's too expensive, then there are other areas you can approach. So take Liverpool, for example. Much cheaper, but still very popular place to live. You know, there's only so many properties you're going to get, say, in the city centre. And the population is constantly increasing, just in Liverpool as well. Okay? So buy somewhere you know is always going to be popular. Buy a property that is low risk. So any warning signs on that property, don't buy it. Go find something just super simple because these risks are things that could create big headaches going forward. So if there's any issues with the lease agreement, uh, any commercial in the property or nearby, for example, if there's some kind of complicated guaranteed rent or, uh, rent or investment structure around it, Again, stay clear. New builds, stay clear of them if you want a low-risk, uh, hassle-free investment approach. Because new builds, for example, you it's very hard to value them. Who knows what people are going to want to buy these for um, You know, in two, five years' time when they're settled. And when they suddenly come onto the market, you've got a whole load. Often, if it's a, an apartment block, you might have 50 flats or 50 houses if it's a development all come on at the same time, right? So dangerous. You're taking a risk on there if you want that hassle-free. All right? So what you want to be doing is you want to be aware of the inherent points around property, take advantage of them, and then those key risks around property, you want to be buying properties that avoid or minimize those risks. Okay. All right. So you've picked your property that is super simple. So for example... You might want to take a one-bed flat in the centre of Liverpool. Well, why is that popular? Because you know people are always going to want to live in Liverpool. It's a very big, popular city. It's the city centre. So people are always, you know, if people want to live in Liverpool, the city centre is going to usually be the most popular area to be. A one-bed's always going to rent because it's the most popular uh, type of rental, certainly in Liverpool. You're buying a really standard property, so it's a flat in a building with no commercial, there's no commercial near it, there's nothing, it's a, it's a good quality area, it's good neighbours, uh, there's no controversial development going on around it, very simple, okay? Right, so that's it, you're buying that property, and the way to do it is when you're looking at that property, now there's a certain element of learning and understanding what you're doing around that. But effectively, you want to go through and think, if I bought this property, what would be the cash flow impact? Cash flow just means all the money coming in, all the money going out. So if I bought this, or if I bought this, what are all the costs involved? So I've got to pay for the deposit, but I've also got to pay a lawyer, got to pay a broker. Uh, all these different costs pay stamp duty. So let me add all those up. Okay, and then I look at all the money coming in, money coming out. So if I bought this property, what do I think the rent's going to be? So I ask an estate agent, how much do I expect the rent to be? Okay, so I write that down. And then think about all the costs. Okay, so each month, what am I going to have to pay for? I'm going to have to pay mortgage costs. I'm going to have to pay maybe a management fee. So this is another key bit, right? 
management of a property is probably the the most hassle part of owning a property so if you want a hassle-free investment then i highly encourage you to take a good quality reliable management company uh, don't be caught out by trying to find the one with the lowest rate because usually that comes at a cost they are doing not as good a job you're having to more micromanage them make sure that they're not doing anything uh, dodgy uh, with your property remember this property often is worth a lot of money so you want to make sure that somebody managing it is really taking care of it so get a good quality management company it's going to be a cost around that it's going to lower your returns but the hassle of investing in that property is going to be a lot lower okay so take the management fee from it uh, take an assumed amount of money each month for maintenance repairs any issues with the properties maybe it needs a new boiler occasionally you're kind of putting a bit of money aside each month so that if something happens then you can pay for that kind of stuff and that's it when you look at all those numbers you work out what do i think the return's going to be and if that return seems decent great the other benefit of that is although it might take a little bit of work to go through it in the long run there's a lot less hassle because up front you've gone through and estimated what the numbers are going to be so as you go through and you buy that property and you own it and then you have another company manage it you already have an idea of what those money coming in money coming out is going to be and there's that let more reliability around it now i left this one to the end because as you can probably hear from me talking through it is there is a lot of work involved in buying property and so is it hassle free no it's certainly not hassle free but it's a lot lower hassle than some other ways and i guess what i'm trying to encourage you to think about is that even when you take areas like property that can involve quite a lot of work the amount of work involved can vary enormously you can take something super complicated and high risk where you get some really high returns and there's various things you've got to be dealing with and managing yes you can have all that but you don't have to take all that on you can take much simpler investments and much simpler properties and still make decent money but before you go into something like buying a property you want to go through those numbers go through all the much all the money that you'll need to put in to buy it and all the money you expect coming in and going out when you own it and you want to look at those numbers before you buy it not after and think is this good enough for me is this worth all the time and effort in doing it and is it positive a lot of people uh, get not a lot of people but some people get stuck buying properties only to then realize later down the line actually i'm getting a negative return from these properties okay and then they get forced into situations where they're losing money over time and you don't want to be in that situation the one to, to bear in mind and, and this is often caught out a lot of people is tax now for a lot of people that don't enjoy the subject of tax i get it it's not the most riveting subject but with property there's a lot to bear in mind around it so if you do go into this world make sure you understand the tax implications so if you don't understand yourself you can always speak to an accountant or a tax accountant to find that out uh, or you can do some research online because in the last few years the tax the tax changes have um, have been a lot around property and that's because it's a hot topic 
and the government have sought to try and, certainly in the UK, try and change how the market is. They want to encourage certain areas, like first-time buyers, and they want to discourage other areas, like amateur property investors, and property investors that have multiple properties. They want to make sure that people are doing it, if they're doing it, doing it in the right way, and it's encouraging uh, people to get on that ladder in the first place. Okay. So we have five investment approaches that I've gone through that I would say are hassle-free or low hassle. Number one, peer-to-peer -peer investing. Number two, buy and hold in the, in the stock market. Three, dividend investing. So uh, dividends from investments in the stock market. Four, portfolio investing. And then five, standard, simple buy-to-let investments. I hope you found this invest, uh, investment. I hope you found this uh, interesting and valuable. If you have, please like and and share this video to others that you think would benefit from it. If um, you would like to see certain content going forward, you want me to answer some specific questions for you, or go into some of these areas in more detail. Again, please let me know in the comment section below. I'd be more than happy to do that. Some of these areas I've gone into in a lot more detail than my other videos. I've got a video specifically on why I think investing in the stock, um, sorry, why investing in the property market is so great, certainly in the UK at the moment. There's another one in the all seasons investment approach and there'll be many others going through these topics going forward, all right? So that's all from me. I hope you have a great rest of the day and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.